When I was in the Christian high school, I think that I was unaware of the existence of Richard Dawkins. He came onto my radar sometime around the time of his book, The God Delusion, was published, and I remember seeing some clips of his talks, and I found him to be rather stuck-up, snotty, and an arrogant jerk. As a partial sidebar, before recording this, I saw on YouTube his 2006 two-part documentary, The God Delusion, and I'm quite certain that between the clips that I was shown years ago were likely cherry-picked as ones that would show him at his worst and my changing viewpoints on the entirety of the religion. I found his documentary rather level-headed, but salted with a little bit of snark. However, despite Stalkin's absence from the collective notice of the staff and students of the Christian school, his ideas are not new, and the arguments against e atheists very much were. Dawkins recounted Burton Russell's teapot, which I think would be the precursor to his flying spaghetti monster, which is probably now better known. I remember that one because it was met with ridicule, but no meaningful defense against it. Pascal's wager was brought up as an example of the good logic as to why someone should be a Christian, yet Russell's teapot didn't make any sense at all as to how it could be used as an argument against blind faith in a concept with no meaningful or demonstrable evidence. He also had an interview in the documentary with a British fellow who ran a Baptist school in which Christian dogmatics were intermixed with all elements of the student's education, which rang as familiar to me since I had the same. In it, the gentleman talked about how if there is no lawgiver, then there is no law, which means that if God wasn't present to tell human beings what is misbehavior, we'd be running riot in the street in the unlikely event that there were able to stop killing and raping each other long enough to cooperate to build streets. This line of thinking made absolute sense to me for years, but it's absolutely illogical. We don't even need to get to atheism to see the problem with it. We can look at other religions. Jews and Muslims have the same God as Christians, so let's move past them to, uh, oh, let's talk about Hindus. They have a terrific setup of divinity, far more exciting than the monotheism of Judaism or Islam or the pseudo-monotheism of Christianity. Only the most creative of theological scholars could draw real straight lines between the theological mythologies of Hinduism and the Abrahamic religions. I'm saying their starting places are quite different. If El Shaddai didn't have his religion in India to let those people know how to behave, how did they wind up with a very similar morality? I think that the first time that this was brought up that I can remember and is still used as the first line of defense by a Christian is Romans chapter 2 in the New Testament. It's a great passage in which the Apostle Paul is talking trash to hypocritical and judgmental Hebrews. This is where Paul claims that the word of God is written on all men's hearts. Well, if that's true, I guess we don't need religion at all, right? Christians seem to be certain that without God, there can be no law and no order, but bees seem to organize to accomplish their goals, and I've as of yet not closely inspected the internals of the beehive with my own eyes, but I'll bet a few dollars that none of them have synagogues or mosques or temples or churches in them. All social animals are managing to cooperate without any sacred text that they are required to recite. It now puzzles me as to how long I had held on to this same belief. There's another brief moment in the documentary when someone makes the claim that atheists would be perfectly fine with people having sex in the middle of the street. Well, I'm not sure what sample size of atheists that person has for his survey, 
but I'm willing to bet that there is a small minority of atheists that would be fine with coitus occurring in such a way that it impedes traffic. In a more serious take on things, the reason that person has that opinion is because in his religious echo chamber someone made that claim and no one questioned it, and it was repeated. These social echo chambers are what lead to all flavors of xenophobia, including racism, classism, sexism, and, of course, religious discrimination. As a final note on the sidebar about this documentary, Mr. Dawkins seems to be less generous and less forgiving of the actual good that has happened in the world in the name of the great and the lesser religions than I have been. But he does put forward a quote that he attributed to American physicist Steven Weinberg that I had never heard before, that I found to be thought-provoking. I actually had to pause the video and spend a moment mulling it over in my head. I found a longer version of the quote that I'll read now. The final sentence is the line from the documentary. Frederick Douglass told in his narrative how his condition as a slave became worse when his master underwent a religious conversion that allowed him to justify slavery as a punishment of the children of Ham. Mark Twain described his mother as a genuinely good person whose soft heart pitied even Satan, but who had no doubt about the legitimacy of slavery because in years of living in antebellum Missouri, she had never heard any sermon opposing slavery, but only countless sermons preaching that slavery was God's will. With or without religion, good people can behave well, and bad people can do evil. But for good people to do evil, that takes religion. That brings me back to the desire for a positive and affirming religion. The bit about Mark Twain's mother also rang true. I've been in churches that have mindlessly echoed whatever panic the Republican Party had manufactured, which smacks of an ideological parasitism. I've been in churches that have meticulously avoided anything that might be construed as political, and that feels morally neutered. I remember reading about a Jesus who dipped out on a crowd who wanted to make him the king of the country, and I read that as that Jesus wanted his work to be something greater than that of just national identity. I read about a Jesus who got angry, shouted down injustices, and got some work done. These churches were neither of those things. Now, I know not all churches are created equal. African American churches have a long reputation of being quite vocal about social injustices. Perhaps me being white and attending predominantly white churches truly has been a thing of privilege. White Christians frequently talk about their oppression and it's invented, all invented. If you want a real peek into this, look around for Ray Boltz's music video for his song, I Pledge Allegiance to the Lamb. The video has a story in it set in the near future in which Christians are jailed and executed for their faith. Meanwhile, white Christians are ignoring the actual systemic persecutions of their fellow Christians who are black. Maybe it's because of actual racism or maybe because of it's that echo chamber that I talked about. How can I care about the persecutions of black people if I never break bread with them? Can't be outraged by the things I'm unaware of. Unless you live in a densely populated area, the probability that you've got a church that is active in fighting injustice or doing more than a couple programs a year for giving some coats to some poor students or a canned food drive around Christmas is, I'd guess, low. I'd bet a few dollars that the local Shriners Lodge does more for helping those in need than most of the local churches. I'll generalize and say that it is now my current belief that most American churches are musical social clubs. 
I'd love to be proven wrong about that, but I can only speak from my experience, and my experience has included a motivated effort to find a local Christian organization that satisfies those two conditions, fighting social injustices and providing resources to those in need in the community. In three different cities, I came up empty-handed. A little over five years ago, while I, like most Americans, was being disgusted by the human garbage that is the Westboro Baptist Church, I read the story of a satanic organization that had held a ceremony to turn Fred Phelps' deceased mother gay. It was done with a wink, and it was obvious the participants didn't believe that this was a thing that would happen, but it was hilarious. And I looked into them, the satanic temple. Earlier in the year, they had attempted to be involved with student-led prayers in schools in Florida, since a student-led prayer at a school-sanctioned event didn't run afoul of the Establishment Clause, right? Well, I guess it does if it's a public forum in a nation that is supposed to be pluralistic. Get some people from a non-Christian religion, and I guess it is a problem. Brilliant. And they had an attempt at adopting a highway. I'm not aware of any churches near where I live that have litter remediation programs, so that sounded pretty good to me, too. And the Gray Faction. The enormous effort to fight the persistent, unscientific, and factually deficient satanic panic of the 80s and 90s that affected my family while I was a child. I love that. Programs to fight against corporal punishment in schools? I've heard pastors preaching from the pulpit for corporal punishment in schools. Here is religion that is against hitting kids? That's a breath of fresh air. I took to look at their seven tenets, and they're positive. They embody the best of what Christianity has asked of me, and it appears that they're working towards social justice and benefiting people in a real and meaningful way. The all-star chapter in Arizona's Menstruating with Satan drive for providing basic menstruation products to those in need. Has an American church ever addressed this? And that statue. In Oklahoma and in Detroit, I had my eyes opened up to the theocratic push in this country by those that claim they follow and believe in the Constitution, but not the part about how the United States shall establish no state religion. But what can you expect from those who have no issue with picking and choosing from their own holy scripture? I think I'd found something right up my alley. Next, I think I'll talk about those seven tenets and where I'd like to go from here. <laughs>